welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. I am Jonathan Cook, and with me, as always, Brian Jenkins. Hope everybody's doing well today. Yes, we. This is uh, this is the second podcast we recorded in in two weeks, Brian. We're we're getting ahead of schedule. We are on a roll. We're, I'm, we're I'm excited. On a roll. We haven't had a missed week in a while. This is great. And today, it's not just you and me in the studio in in the studio of your office around the table. We've we've got we a special a very, guest today. A very special guest today. A friend. Very. A friend, a, a long-time friend. Another NARPA member, shameless plugs. NARPA member, that's right. Dee Dee Lee, Skyline Properties. Hey, Dee Dee. Hello. How are you? I'm great. It's a beautiful day in Atlanta. Yeah, I can hear the birds chirping. Yeah, I can see the beautifulness outside, like around <laughs> the corner from the balcony, around the plant. Yeah. Looks nice out there. Amongst it's everything nice. that Dee Dee, amongst everything that Dee Dee does, Dee Dee was also a past president for the Atlanta chapter of NARPA. We're going to talk about knocking in a little bit. Give, give, Dee go ahead and give all your credentials. Explain, explain why we're talking to you today, other than just your our awesome friend that's a property manager in Atlanta and and do all kind of great stuff. To tell us a little bit about Skyline Properties. So we're based off uh, in Atlanta. We serve most of the Metro Atlanta area. Where you know, it just seems like we keep expanding our geographical <laughs> locations. <laughs> despite my my wish sometimes, but it's ha- it happens. So I've got an office in Woodstock, which is about 30 minutes north from mm-hmm. Metro Atlanta. And about and then we serve, we have an op- another office in Fayetteville, which is another 30 minutes south of Metro Atlanta. And we cover everything in between. So- um, what, is, what is the drive time from one office to the other? About- Atlanta. About uh, an hour and a half without traffic. Not, well, I'm talking with traffic. I'm talking about real. Oh, that's, that's we don't we don't do traffic. No, no, nobody talks. It's, <laughs> it's too much. I, I, we we study traffic patterns so that we can avoid traffic. That's right. I get that. <laughs> I think I think I was leaving a a NARPA meeting. I mean, this is months ago. Back back way before COVID. This must have been last year, I guess. Uh, I was leaving and Joe wasn't there that week and mm-hmm. Brian wasn't there. So it was just me for some reason in yeah. Atlanta and, I, and I'm trying to leave and I'm leaving at like five o'clock Atlanta time. And it's, I, I sat on, what is that? 285. Is that right? I, I sat on there. Like I can, I'm going two miles, two miles <laughs> from my exit. I just sat there for 45 minutes. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. This is, yep. this is not like Birmingham traffic. No. That's, that's one of the great, great, like that's, that's one of the things I'm most excited about having you on today. It's just that difference between, I mean, as much as we, we talk about our market in Birmingham, we talk about some national stuff and how that, that works. And we talk about PM operations and, and everything comes through that lens of, I mean, Brian and I are, are based out of Alabama, we're based out of Birmingham. And so, and we know that we're a secondary market. I, I love having you on here because the Atlanta market represents. And yeah, we'll call it major metro. It's a major metro. metro. It's gigantic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very large. I did some research today on just how much larger Atlanta is from a just a, a real estate standpoint, comparative to Birmingham, and it's like three times as big. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is going to be a fun conversation," but. Before we get into that, before because that's going to take a long time to just talk about what happens in Atlanta, what that marketplace looks like. Let's talk about what everybody is still currently dealing with, and, and that's going to be COVID-19, and, and hopefully our listeners are not tired of us 
explaining why that makes things different, but it's constantly making things different Mm -hmm. up to the point that I think the last episode we recorded, we were saying, we just got new news the day before. It is. So it's, it's just this, a constant state of flux and change and who, who knows what's happening. So tell me what you've been doing and Skyline's been doing since COVID. What does that look like for you guys? Man, I think starting March, it was just throwing all of our old policies and procedures out the door. And, you know, and that's being a part of this industry, being a part of the association that we're in, NARPM, has helped me so much to navigate the COVID, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) situation, right? So kind of listening to, yeah, kind of listening to what everybody else is doing and then taking what's going on in our our portfolio. But instead of just, the way we, we used to operate is when tenants are late, we don't call them individually. We just send out a paraquit letter and proceed from there, uh, charge a late fee. But when COVID started, it was, we're not charging a late fee. And we're, we reach out to every single tenant that's late by phone call. Okay. We actually assigned a dedicated team member to do that, who is extremely good at it and just kind of show them that we care and yeah. we're here to offer help. Uh, mainly to try to get them on payment plans, you know, and we've pro- progressed since then. I think a lot of property manager has adopted that policy uh, since March. Did but you now our, hire a new person to do that or was that no, someone that's already we on just, staff? We just used a person that was, you know, like very good with customer service, okay. very good on the phone with people. So Again, it's just to it's just to tell the tenants that we care about them and that we we really are here to try to help them. We're on their side, right? Mm-hmm. As much as we can be. So, progressing now at, at this point, it's more like okay, how do we get people out? <laughs> yeah. We uh, luckily most of the tenants that we are on payment plans are making their payments on time. They're finishing up their payment plans, so. Now we do have a handful that just have not paid since March. And we we filed, we've tried filing on them and they've not gone anywhere. You know, okay. now now with the eviction moratorium, it's um, we're trying different creative ways okay. to, to get them to get possession back. That right now that's our main focus. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I just went through one of our protocols the other day to where we had a unauthorized pet and like you, prior to COVID-19, we had set protocol for dealing with that. And then I was like, I called Janie and I'm like, hey, tell me a little bit about this situation. Are they, A, are they current on the rent or are they behind? Because that's going to dictate a lot mm-hmm. uh, because we may have an opportunity yeah. for where we have a lease default mm-hmm. and we can get them out for something other than non-payment. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so wasn't a particular case with that with that no. thing, but it's causing us, and I guess my point is, it's causing us to take additional look at the entire situation, the account, figure out, hey, what, what do we want to do here? Do we want to try to get the payment portion thereof, or do we really just want the individual out of the property if they're just not sticking to a payment plan, they're not making making rent yeah. payments on a regular basis? So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of where we found ourselves as we navigate. And, and the one thing, that I would also ask you is in, when you're dealing with those delinquency parts, are you finding that a particular class of property is actually falling behind 
more so than the other because I know we're we're personally experiencing where we have A and B class are pretty much straight on the numbers where they were this time last year, but our C class assets have dropped off. The further we get into it, that seems to be the largest class of tenants that's actually uh, having a hard time paying because there are a lot of hourly workers that were furloughed or terminated or whatnot, and trying yep. really struggling to to make those rent payments. Yeah, most of my portfolio is made of A and B. Our average rent is sixteen hundred to sixteen fifty. So our delinquencies, you know, only gone up by maybe 0.5 percent. So we're, you know, we're doing well there. Yet, as a matter of fact, yesterday I was on a on on the IMN's multifamily forum. I was on the panel mm-hmm. for collections and delinquencies, and you know policies and procedures around that. And they gave out some really interesting information because they they have access to market data, um, national data. And they said that class A properties have not really been that much negatively impacted in delinquency. B and C more so than A. And then D uh, is, you know, has been impacted the most. Now on renting like uh the leasing part a is not doing as well as b and c so that was the data that they gave and so was that focused I, on multifamily or was that multi and single together it's it's focused on multifamily but that also reflects how our portfolio is doing as well okay um we have some higher end properties in the high two thousand three thousand dollar range and hmm. they're definitely sitting a lot longer on the market now well, well, what does that what does that yeah. mean for you? What is long on the market for you guys? Because some of the research that I found out today about Atlanta, your, your days on market, your kind of your median days on market is like pretty astoundingly low from from yeah just kind of anecdotal information that I have. It seems so low. the the super high end properties are sitting for longer than forty five days now. Okay, and the you know median like around sixteen hundred to two thousand. Mm-hmm. About fourteen to thirty days. Okay. Anything less than that, mm-hmm. or getting them rented, like you know, as soon as we put them on the market, getting multiple applications, sight unseen. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what we're experiencing here. That's that's very interesting. I mean, as large as you guys are, just from a marketplace, still being able to keep that short of a time on market. Because right now, if we're talking about Birmingham. The entire metro across our entire MLS platform, um, we're talking right now, the, the average days on market for not any specific market, but just the whole kit and caboodle A, B, and C, you're talking between 21 and 30 days mm-hmm. on the market right now. That's, that's everyone. And of mm-hmm. course, there's definitely markets where it shrinks and grows, but, but just from, from the outset of everything that we have, that, that's pretty standard for us. And that, to me, that seems low. Considering I know that we've had properties that, that have sat, you know, 35 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and typically the, there's always reasons for it, right? There's it's priced a little bit too high or someone didn't, you know, let us do as much of a turn as we would have liked before it hits the market. Or there's always going to be some reason why something is going to sit a little bit longer. But mm-hmm. but hearing hearing 14 days as kind of your, that's about right. That, that's That's kind of standard. That's that's so quick for yeah, as big of a market as you guys are. So yeah. I think I think that the southeast region in general has benefited in terms of leasing from COVID. 
because this was validated yesterday on that on that um, panel as well. Is we've had we had we've had tenants. I don't know if you guys saw it too. Tenants moved to Atlanta from New York, mm-hmm. uh, north you know the northeast northwest region, California because their companies are now allowing them to work virtually remote. Okay. And so for for the for those people, they're like, well, if we can move to a place like Alabama or Atlanta, or Florida, where rent is a lot more affordable, but we can still make that same income, right, as mm-hmm. they were before. Yeah. So that's what they were doing. And we're seeing a lot of people like that move down to Atlanta. And, uh, you know, and then people who are, who realize they're going to be stuck in their homes mm-hmm. indefinitely, they are upgrading to a better model. They're upgrading yeah. to a bigger house. Um, so all those things contributed to our wonderful leasing, you know, yeah. rate this year. Um, I pulled up, I pulled some numbers right before this. Um, we had 111 move-ins just year to date. And for us, that's a lot because on average, like in the previous year, our average was like 65 to 70 okay. move-ins for the whole year. Wow. Wow. So if that can tell you like what, you know, this whole COVID situation has done for us on the leasing side, I'm not complaining. (laughs) Well, I think we've seen some pretty similar, similar stuff. Yeah, we're tracking much along the same lines. Yeah. And Um, I know for a fact exactly what you're talking about, people moving in, because I can, I can, I can just think of two or three stories off the top of my head from our leasing manager just swinging around like, look, so we're going to, somebody's got to go over there and do a video of this house because these people are moving from New York or these people mm-hmm. are moving from this place, that place they're coming to Alabama and they're, they want to lease it the day that it hits the market. And we normally don't lease to someone unless they see the property. Now yep. we're doing vir- like video virtual tours. Yeah, they need high speed internet. They're more concerned about extra space in the home, set up a home office. My, my favorite was like two weeks ago when we were out in uh, Yellowstone, I ran into a girl that was working remotely from West Yellowstone, the city West Yellowstone That's from insane. Chicago. So moved out wow. of Chicago, moved to West Yellowstone. She just wanted Dang, to go with a postcard. Friends. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So Brian, Brian texts me a picture of himself standing in a river fly fishing, yeah. holding a fish with these two gorgeous mountains behind Yeah, him. I saw that like, same picture. Uh, like, so you're just a postcard now, Brian. That's, uh, that's, what, you, that's what you're doing. Very doing? jealous. Very yeah. jealous. Yeah, it was uh, social distancing at its finest. Yeah. So it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, uh, so so on that same topic is uh, with people moving to the southeast. Sure. There's a lady uh, with Lennar Homes on that panel. She's in Seattle. And she said mm-hmm. the Seattle leasing market is terrible right now because they're all moving to the southeast. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, as whereas we're growing, they're shrinking. Yeah. And in the tenant base. Interesting. Well, uh, that, that makes me curious from, you know, just the, the stories that we're talking about here. What operationally have you had to change from a, like, leasing standpoint or even a, uh, you know, getting into the properties that, that you already have? I'm not talking about just the eviction process or the collections process. Let's talk about, like, what we've done differently, you know, for, for tenants that are moving into Birmingham and just our photography and things like that, trying to make it easier for people to see our properties. You know, we're doing the virtual tours now. We're, we're taking the, the as many pictures as we can. Mm-hmm. We, we do the tenant Turner uh, self-showing so that we're, we're not, we can social distance still and be responsible 
instead of mm-hmm. having to go do showings or, or show up, you know, and have a bunch of people stacked on top of each other. What, what is yeah. that looking like for you guys? Same. Uh, love Tenant Turner. So glad that we were using them before COVID so that we didn't mm-hmm. have to make a big change there. But we really haven't changed a whole lot on our leasing operations. We are, you know, for the properties that are coming up, right? The tenants have given us notice that they're moving out. We soft list using Tenant Turner's waitlist feature. Mm -hmm. And we we ask those tenants if they're comfortable with us showing their property while they're still in the house. If they say no, we don't show. Okay. But our showing agent is still like, she's like, I'll show. I don't care. Oh, wow. (laughs) I think that it's just. Based on based on each individual's comfort level, mm-hmm. I don't know how Alabama is. I have not visited Alabama since COVID, but mm-hmm. in Atlanta, there are still a big majority. Uh, you know, the people are not super scared of COVID. So it's it's pretty much the same here. No yeah. one's being yeah. irresponsible, in my opinion. Um, right. But obviously, the further you get away from the, the major metros, the the more lackadaisical people are about their mask yeah. use and, and uh you know they they don't have a problem eating in a restaurant or whatnot well when we talk about getting out to some of the rural parts of alabama there's there's 40 people in a town Brian. there's social distance anyways uh, but i mean yeah. your point is the same i mean people are spread out and nobody's being irresponsible but i think you're right there's there's not a lot of but i think you know i think and, and uh we're talking you know talking about yellowstone i, I witnessed it firsthand you had a variety of different kind of opinions and outlooks there. You had a lot of people that uh, were reluctant to wear masks, but overall I would say the greater majority had masks on. There were a couple of people. Anytime somebody was specifically uh, concerned about it, everybody kind of reacted positively to that mm-hmm. and respectfully, you know, donned their mask or gave them distance or whatnot. So I think there's, there's a lot of that going on across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing, Atlanta. It's like, you know, I have friends that are on different scales when it comes to COVID concerns, mm-hmm. just respect their whatever. Uh, yeah. If they're strict about it, we'll, you know, respect that. If they're not, then, you know, we, on so i was uh <laughs> we went to the grocery store last night and i was chuckling i haven't even told you this story but oh, good. i'm sitting there waiting sherry had gone in and and uh it, it's a crazy story as to we weren't getting groceries but i'll leave it at that but she's coming <laughs> back she's coming back out and they have uh it was walmart so walmart has this you know you call ahead and they bring your stuff out to you and load in your car that sort of thing so this couple had obviously done that and the the guy had brought their groceries out to them. The husband gets out of the car. They're a younger couple. Gets out of the car. He stands about 12 feet away from the back and he's got his mask on. He sits chat. Then, a, then his wife gets out of the car and she comes around. She's got a face mask, double mask. Because one of them kept sliding off and I could see the other one. Really? <laughs> and, and so she's really stepping back. And then when the guy gets done loading the groceries, he closes the trunk. She goes around to the pastor's side, grabs a bottle of some disinfectant of some sort. Or something. Oh uh, it's a spray, pump spray thing. She comes back there. She opens the hatch, hoses down all the bags, closes the hatch, hits that, hits her husband's hands because he's touched the car. <laughs> and, uh, and then they get in and then they leave. <laughs> Got to be safe. Like, that's from one extreme to the that's other. That's pretty so, extreme. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about my grandparents that haven't worn a mask the entire time and they're going into Walmart and giving people hugs in the aisle. So, hey, I know you from church. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, 
saying it's it's definitely a mixed bag here. But, yeah, it's uh, a mixed bag, and people are handling the the illness differently. I mean, I, I know people personally, unfortunately, that have that have passed because of it, uh, and they weren't in bad health. So I, I think there's some predisposition to the to the illness that's affecting mm-hmm. people differently. So I, I and mm-hmm. I think we could probably all say that when you think about who you know that's had it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it is definitely uh, definitely affected operations. I know you, you guys are probably like us. You're closed off to your your tenants, your owners, uh, that sort of thing. We have done some appointments for owner yeah. appointments. Of course, I, I know that of, I have a lot of Zoom. Yeah, a lot of Zoom mm-hmm. zooming, and uh, yeah, yeah. We were we were actually talking about you the other day to a, a client we have in common. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I know who they are. Yeah, you love, do. I, love I saw I saw your video and we're adding to the video. Oh. <laughs> we're going to produce a, a video. I didn't want to duplicate everything that you had already done. So yeah. We, yeah. we're going to do a, a supplemental video to it. So, and well, and that's one of the things about Zoom that like we just kind of discovered like COVID has as much as yes, it's caused some issues, but we're talking literally right now about how it's kind of been business as usual. We just make business a few modifications yeah, the, and yeah. then just keep trudging on. The nice thing is we were using Zoom before, kind of yeah. like what, what we were a doing with Turner. And we had some clients who were like, wow, what is that? And it's like a lot of people didn't hear hear about it or know what it was. Now everyone knows. Well, yeah. But also now, like, like if we want to, like, we want to make a video instead of setting up some big production in the office, like, especially if I'm trying to make a video to explain to a client how to operate through Blue Wink. For instance, that's a good mm-hmm. example because not everybody has used electronic signatures before, or maybe they've used DocuSign or AuthentiSign or one of these versions and they've never used Blue Ink, which is what we use. The greatest thing about Zoom is I can share screen, I can record by myself, I can sit on Zoom, record by myself, and walk people through it. And it's still got my voice and the video of what's up on the screen, which is me walking through Blue Ink. This is yeah. how you will go through it, this is how you can scroll through and you know, read the documents. This is where you'll sign. This is how you'll do that. You have to draw your name. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, but that's with anything. If I want to walk through with our team, how to follow a new procedure that we have, we can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's made our operations actually more efficient. Now that we, we do everything over zoom. I had a zoom call with a, a client who was, who has some questions about his billing and, you know, invoicing and, I was able to pull up like all the history on his maintenance and his account and just show it to share it to him on Zoom. And it was like, mm-hmm. if it were pre-COVID, he would have to, I would have to meet him at the office, print out all the stuff. And I don't know, it, it's, it was a lot more uh, efficient to yeah, do it over it's Zoom. It's definitely more efficient. The one thing I found is we're, we're back in office. And uh, so there was a time that, that I was actually self-quarantined at home. And I, Actually, I felt like I, first of all, I got 10 times the amount of work done because I was uninterrupted and focused. The unfortunate side is I would start earlier and work later. Oh, my God. Uh, me too. Just because yeah. I was kind of on a roll and I didn't want to yeah. stop. But, but uh, oh, there, there goes our, Look, our camera. It's the dance. button, man. I'm sorry. Right there. Right where my hand so, is. <laughs> so for your, um, I know we were talking about some of your marketing, just to circle back to that for a second. So have you had to do any kind of, concessions or move-in specials on your higher-end properties to get those moving or they just they move after a period of time no we we have not had to do any of that yet okay Okay. go okay so so going back to leasing operations and what changes we've had to do is because we've had an increase of sight unseen Mm -hmm. move-ins 
I actually t- was talking to Bob Abbott from North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he has an addendum for sight unseen leases. So I'm, you know, borrow that from him, mm-hmm. and we're we're about to incorporate that into our lease package. I think I think Joe wrote one up one day when we when we had some, and I think each one of them was kind of individually written but i mean like a template that would make that so much easier i'll have to reach out to bob to see if he might yeah, absolutely take a look at that too that's, he'll, uh, yeah he'll definitely share with yeah, you just ask yeah. just tell him dd sent you okay. <laughs> <laughs> well now we're on the subject of just the market where i mean this is a pretty natural transition over to that let's talk about what atlanta looks like from a real estate perspective so for the potential investor still getting into atlanta because yeah, specifically investor based though yeah so, so not necessarily mm-hmm. retail so that has been i mean that's a nationally i mean that, that's a huge market to get in and there's tons tons of uh, of availability still there right i mean they're, they're, you're not out of houses you got if you've got people leasing properties in 14 days you might have a housing shortage for people to move into but are are investors still able to get in there and and make some money it's uh still very tough inventory is still very limited it's a seller's market Mm -hmm. for sure still not like everybody's like oh i want multifamily i want a duplex like those opportunities are overpriced Mm -hmm. and they're very few of them on the market so what i'm seeing is and you guys probably see this in, in alabama is People are built building to rent, built okay. new construction, built to rent. Not just our shared client, because you know yeah. the other other investors are using that same model. And I've heard this model being mentioned um, in other industry, like across mm-hmm. the industry. So because there's just it's a shortage of of housing, yeah. and um, builders have kind of stopped, you know, building. Um, but we're, we're still like, we manage HOAs and we manage sure. four developers um, and they're still, they're still building. But I, yeah. I just think that, I just think that it's slowed down a little bit on the new construction side. However, it's, it's still, still happening, still yeah, selling. W- what we've seen is the, the entry level home construction is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, it's secondary and up. Yes. Um, and then to your point, I just think I've always said it's kind of the perfect storm because post really post 2010 construction came to us screaming all year and it didn't resume for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So, and then you've got, you know, you've got communities with moratoriums in place in regard to apartment communities and, and keeping older inventory. And then it just creates a hunger uh, for something new. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I was excited to sign the client this year that actually had the brand new construction built to rent because we hadn't seen new construction rentals in a decade. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so all of a sudden it's like, hey, we've got a great product, and and quite honestly, company wide, that product's leasing out in like eighteen days on market mm-hmm. average. So mm-hmm. it's it's literally as pretty much as quick as you can get it up and get your videos back, and yep. you've already got a line of applicants lined up. So mm-hmm. well, what what does that price point look like for you guys in Atlanta? I mean, what can you buy for? What are, what is the median? Or give me an average. What 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 are you spending to get into Atlanta? Just if you an want to average, play in Atlanta, where where are you, where are you playing at? An average three bedroom, uh, two and a half bath house. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you you're planning on spending at least two hundred to two fifty. Okay, how old a property is that on average? Uh, anywhere you know, like early two thousands. Okay, it's they're not 
they're not nice homes. I mean, they're like cookie cutter homes. Sure. You know, it, small town homes, like two bedroom, two bathroom, if they're located at a uh, decent area, meaning close to the interstate, you know, low crime, close to mm-hmm. restaurants, shopping, those, uh, those town homes are also selling at 250 or above. Okay. Wow. So it's almost impossible to find anything less than 200. If there's anything mm-hmm. less than 200, it's probably more remote. Um, you got to drive to like, you know, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, usually even those properties get multiple bids. Okay. So so what are those looking like rent-wise? If I, if I was going to spend $250,000 in the Atlanta metro, but what what am I getting rent on something? You're like you're looking at right now anything that is like in a decent school district, not the top, right? Decent average yeah. school district, um, not too far out. You're looking at renting sixteen hundred to seventeen hundred. Good gracious, that's that's significantly so. If we're if we're comparing it's not, the two it's not an attractive market. I mean, it's just hard for investors right now at those numbers. I mean, it's better than if you're buying in LA. Tell you that much. That's I mean, true. I mean, we we <laughs> yeah. had a client that was in town uh, last week from LA moving to Miami, and I'm like, I mean, both of them are so cost prohibitive. I mean, you're you're looking at two yeah. super expensive areas. And yeah, why is he investing his money elsewhere? That is so. why he's investing his money in Alabama. Exactly. And so he he was looking at looking at prices, and he's like, uh, he, he wanted to see. And Brian, I didn't tell you about this. He wanted to see Mountain Brook, which is the, the most expensive area, it's the most expensive city in the state of Alabama. It's absurdly cost prohibitive. It's a very small area. These houses, Birmingham's Buckhead, basically. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. we're talking, these are, but they're older, older estate mansions. Every house in it is a, wow. essentially a mansion. So he, he just wanted to see what that looked like because we were close by, we were in Irondale. So I was like, all right. We drove through Mountain Brook. Of course, we went to like Country Club Road, like going up toward the ridge and seeing those giant, like, he's like, his mind was absolutely blown. He's like, how much are one of these houses? And I was like, well, there's actually, there's one on the market down here. Let's go look at it. And we just drove past it. And he's like, my God, how how much would that, is that house to buy right now? It's like, it's like $3 million. And he goes, you can buy that for $3 million? I was like, yeah. He's like, it, that in in LA would be a twenty five million dollar property. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep. I, I, I yeah. It's, it's pretty massive. But if we're just yeah. talking about Birmingham to Atlanta, I'm not I'm not talking about California prices, right? But I mean, like right now, our median rent across the board in the entire Greater Birmingham area is thousand fifty. That's everything, and that's A, B, and C, and D. It's all okay. reported data. But a thousand fifty is our average. You're talking your 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 average is like sixteen hundred. You're like that's not that nice. <laughs> sixteen, but it also in Birmingham. that also speaks to the volume of what's what's on Certainly. the market here. So there's a large yeah. percentage of C class assets that are that are being leased out. So and but then when you talk about California, their median price range oh, is like forty five hundred. You're like okay, yeah. so there's still room to play in in Atlanta. Like there's still in comparison to your new york's and 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 los angeles there's Mm -hmm. definitely still for for us that are in it it's like eh, you know it's not as good as i would like it to be but but it's still better than we're certainly a lot of uh, other markets yeah we're certainly uh luckier than a lot of other regions 
you know, not just in housing prices, but also in policies and right. eviction moratoriums and, and things like that. But yeah, uh, it's like anytime I have an investor come and they're like, oh, I'm looking for 10%, you know, return. <laughs> That's not, it doesn't happen anymore. And, and, you know, you think that, you think that housing market might uh, go down or whatever. It hasn't, hasn't happened yet in Atlanta. Not here either. No. Nope. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't, I haven't heard of anywhere where it's really gone down. Any, any, what I would consider major metro or minor metro areas for sure across the country. Anybody I've spoken yeah. to, everybody's kind of on the same trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. On our releases, so tenant moves out, we put it back on the market. We're increasing the rent by at least five percent from where it was previously leased last year. Yeah, that's good. But that's our that's our average increase. Wow, what and are you getting, getting on our renewal? Renewal, we have an automatic mm-hmm. built-in increase at three percent. Okay. We are excited to tell you about one of our awesome service providers, Rhino. Rhino can replace security deposit requirements with an affordable insurance policy that tenants pay, reducing their out-of-pocket expenses at move-in. And if you're looking for ways to create stickiness with your tenants and reduce their out-of-pocket expenses at move-in, Rhino is exactly what you need. It's going to help your tenants get into your homes faster and renew their leases instead of moving. Be sure to head to SayRhino.com today to check them out. So how many of your tenants right now are taking that renewal option at 3% as opposed to trying to go back out into just the, the open, open market, market and find something at these newer, significantly higher prices just because there is none? No, guess what we, easier way to ask that question is probably what percent of your tenants are renewing versus moving out? Yeah, sure. um, I would say about 7 out of 10 are renewing right now. Okay. Wow. We are... We've had some try to that who try to renegotiate the the increase, which that's up to our owners um, mm-hmm. what they want to do. And but yeah, we have very very small number that move because of the renewal increase. The reason they move is because they wanted a bigger house or they're moving uh, to another area. Okay. So, but we are getting a lot more move out notices this year. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah. And and again, and I think that's because they are wanting a bigger house. Mm-hmm. They want, you know, better upgrades in a house. So what I've been telling my investors is if you want your house to be, to have less vacancy, invest some money yeah. into upgrades because that's yeah. what people are going to be, you know, wanting. The next generation of renters are looking for all, all new product, like different products. Yeah. Right. So do you think that is due to or does that reflect the amount of time people are spending in their home nowadays because if we're all kind of staying at home you sit there yeah. and I, I know that in my own home which it's not a rented home and I can't don't have a landlord to say hey you know what there's a spot over there that I need fixed I have to go fix it but yeah. when you think that I mean because I see it at home all the time the more time that we spend at home the more I sit there and Look at the paint and go. This yep. needs to be repainted. More. Oh yeah. Look at the kitchen countertops and go. Yeah, I mean we've seen a we've seen an uptick in certainly in maintenance work orders issued throughout the year, particularly after we got past that 
I'll call it March, April timeline. When people were still scared. Yeah, like when they were still scared. And we got into June, yeah. it kind of opened up a bit. So, but. Uh, yeah. And um, our HOAs that we managed, we were slammed this year for ARC modification requests. It's like, it's historic, yeah. you know, numbers of people uh, wanting to make changes to their house. Okay. Yeah, I would see it in my own neighborhood driving home from work. Well, I'm still working in the office. All yeah. these people are working from home. Home Depot's packed out with lines out the door. Oh, you my know, gosh. Yes. Everybody's doing their home projects inside mm-hmm. and outside. I've seen so many fences go up lately. About <laughs> that that was one of those things fences. that I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, don't come in my yard with your COVID. Yeah, you just see those those <laughs> privacy. You see those, like, uh, dog-eared posts just sitting in someone's driveway and, like, so somebody's uh, honeydew list is getting full. <laughs> and look at that. Just post, 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 going up, going up. So with that, you know, I, I kind of perfect segue. So we talk about, sometimes we talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, you talked about the changing face of the, the renter, basically, uh, what their likes and dislikes are. The one of the things we talk about pretty frequently is is creating that stickiness factor. So it's, you know, the analogy I always use is no more about, HI's house versus Skyline's property set side by side, which one are you going to rent? Mm-hmm. Property's going to speak for itself on some level, but if if they're average homes and they're pretty even, you know, creating that different type of experience for the resident, giving them more benefits. So yep. with that in mind, what what since COVID started, what what kind of systems have you added into your operation day to day that uh, that are helping create that stickiness factor? So well not a whole lot of changes as far as our current operation goes, but I am in the process of rolling out new programs okay. to attract the new generation of tenants and give you some, uh, give you an example. The, um, in, in my opinion, right, people nowadays, they just want convenience. They will pay a premium for convenience. Mm-hmm. So we already in our industry, we already have things like, you know, utility concierge services to help people uh, make it easier for them to, to get their utilities established. We already have simple bills, like, mm-hmm. you know, to help them consolidate their bills. But to take it even a step further uh, ahead, my idea is to make a home truly move-in ready. And what that means is when the tenant moves in, everything's already on for them. Mm-hmm. Water, gas, electric, Internet, TV, security system uh, monitoring, smart home if that's available. Everything already be on. They don't have to worry about any of the hassles of having to turn those on or pay any deposits. Because we, I've lost tenants because they didn't have the money to pay hundreds of dollars of per utility for deposits. Sure. They can't afford to move. So all of those services already be on. And then on top of that, the bills for those services will all be uh, a part of their rental ledger. So they click one button and it all all gets paid. And then we incorporate that with the no security deposits um, Mm -hmm. program, right? Which I think you guys are already, you've Mm -hmm. already rolled that out. You become, we become a truly hassle-free, move-in ready, no deposits required on any front for tenants. And we can, I believe we can charge a premium for that kind of service. And people will pay it all day long because they have less to pay when they move in. And the, the best pitch for, uh, to our owners and our investors is that 
because your tenants are now able to move into your properties with less deposits, they can actually afford to pay a little bit higher in rent, right? Over time. So they love the idea and, and I'm working on getting that rolled out in this month or next. Well, I think part of, I mean, just piggybacking on what you're talking about here, we, we, we've rolled in with simple bills as well. Mm -hmm. We're working with Rhino and we're, we're getting all those, uh, those pieces kind of ironed out. And so what we're thinking as far as from a renewal standpoint is tenants that aren't currently in that program upon renewal, us being able to roll those systems out and be like, by the way, we're going to, we're going to renew your price or we're going to renew your rent at a higher rate, but to kind of soften that blow, but here's your deposits back. If you'll sign oh, up through this. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's just part of that process. And so if you have to give someone some kind of salty or some sour news, your rent's going to go up. <laughs> Eight no, percent. Guess what? Sign up for this. You can have your deposit but, money back, and it's Christmas. But, and yeah. Oh my gosh, they would they would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. They well, would. and I've always said when we were looking yeah. at that when we were looking at that product through Rhino, I was like, man, if I was renting, I mean, even good income, high credit, mm -hmm. all that, I would do it because yeah. I don't want to tie up my money with a security deposit with a management company. Yeah. I'd rather keep it fluid and even simply pay, pay the premium. You don't get it. The, the more qualified you are, even. The more qualified you are, the lower your rate is on top of that. So you're only yeah. paying a small fraction. And then, yeah, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. We, we use the example of a house in our Huntsville market, moving in the first day of the month, $1,500 a month of rent. And easiest way to kind of explain this to an owner is to say that same, you know, normally without any systems, that would require $1,500 for rent for the month, $1,500 security deposit, and for Huntsville utilities, the three main utilities, for connection and deposit would be $450. So you're in it for $3,450 by just deploying simple bills and Rhino. And we test case this. So it basically, you would move in for $1,500 rent. A Rhino, your first Rhino payment was $10. $10. $10. And, and then it's $10 a month. So they're paying $120 for $1,500 worth of coverage. And the simple bills portion was the twenty dollar fee plus the eleven ninety five. So basically, thirty we'll call it thirty two dollars. So that's per month. No, no, the twenty dollars is twenty dollar activation, and then it's eleven ninety five per month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so they're moving in in essence for what is that fifteen hundred and fifty bucks? Actually, less yeah, than that. Less than that. So you can't beat that. You cannot so it's beat for that. for less than half of how they would have had to move in prior to. Yeah. And so that just that opens up what we've seen is it just opens up that pool of available tenants, first of all, but also makes you the most attractive yeah. of that market. Because because mm -hmm. even the people that could have afforded it anyways, when they're sitting there and they're, they're weighing their options, it's what you're talking about with that stickiness factor. If you're yeah. weighing two houses, let's say they're both brand new construction, they're in the same neighborhood, they're side by side. One is one management company that doesn't have those features the other is the other one that has look at all these features same mm -hmm. rent price same exact house same floor plan well one of them i don't have a security deposit fourteen hundred dollars less one of them is fourteen hundred dollars <laughs> less to move into yeah yep. but everything else is the exact same which one that's, yeah of and then course, the it's not even a question the utility benefit is. to the owner that's that's the part i like i always like the win-win so yeah you know that 
the, the residents not having to pay those deposits and connection fees, but also the owner, when that resident moves out, they're not having to do all the disconnects, reconnects, the yep. new deposits. So long-term, as long as they stay with you and mm-hmm. you have that long-term relationship as client manager, then they can they can save a substantial amount of money just on the simple bills piece. Well, with our with our consultant, when I you know building those three year uh, forecasts, what we're doing with them, uh, I had a guy literally yesterday was talking about well, when I move a new tenant in. So you've got to also because he he didn't like my numbers because he he thought that I wasn't adding adding in enough maintenance cost to it. And I was like, no, I've got a case study showing exactly this. This is the maintenance cost. He's like, well, what about utilities? We have to turn those off, turn them back on. I'm like. No, we don't. No, we don't. We use simple bills. You don't. You don't have to add that. Because that's an extra three hundred dollars. We're taking that out of my cash flow. I'm like, dude, it's handled. Simple bills. We we got it. And he it, that just like blew his mind. He's like, that adds an extra three hundred dollars for every new. Yeah. So are you so using once, uh, and then it's uh, just go, on yeah. your concierge yeah. style, like your uh, cable, internet, security system, all that? Are you using Citizen on that? Um, right, right now we are using citizen, but there's, I'm exploring in-house. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm into the win, win, win situation as well. You know, so you just want to win some too. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Right. No, so I think for, for property managers, if we're the ones facilitating all of these benefits for our tenants and our owners, if we could provide those services ourselves, why not? Because I, to me, that's the beauty of the property management business. I, mm-hmm. I've been I've been saying that to people left and right these days. Like the the portfolio itself generates enough income to run my operations, pay my staff, and have some profit. But what's really profitable about the business is all the subsidiary businesses that you can create around it. Right. So that's something else I'm exploring is what what other businesses can I get into to provide direct services to my single family portfolio and my HOA portfolio. And it's almost like immediate, uh, you've got an immediate client base sitting right there, mm-hmm. you know, with that's your tenants, true. your owners. So that's where the beauty of the, the business really comes in. Well, that to, to me, that's a perfect way to jump into like, where you're getting the concepts and the ideas for this. Let's talk about Narcom a little bit. Like, so clearly like some of these businesses and some of these services that we hear about, we, we all hear about them together in the Narcom conferences that we go to in, mm-hmm. in the same circles that we're all in. Oh, some, somebody Didi will do this new, new idea that will just catch fire. And now everyone in, yeah. in the Atlanta chapter is going to start doing a thing. I mean, yeah. like, let, let, let's talk about NARPM. I mean, we do it a lot. I know we, we actually talk about NARPM quite a bit on the podcast, but we've never had, uh, I don't think we've ever had two people that, that are quite as excellent spokespeople for NARPM on, on the now, podcast. Now, as Jim and Dave right? have something to say about that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's, been, it's been, that was our second episode. I'm sorry. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's safe point. to say this. Well, that's it. that was last year. No, this year also we did we did Trent and Pete and Lyle. And we, but we didn't talk about Narcom. No, in, we did in the capacity that I was. Really I'm like surprised that uh, surprised Trent didn't talk about Narcom. Trent was on well, Peloton we, you know, the that entire was, time. It was all I could talk yeah, that about. Was, <laughs> that was June, so everybody was kind of in the heat of the battle. Of yeah, I mean, we were yeah. in the thick of, thick of everything at that point. So, you know, the thing I love about it. It's really not to beat the drum of NARPA, but it's to say the best best in class operators kind of 
sharing the ideas and bringing the industry up as a whole. And that's that's what I like about the give back piece of it. So let's talk about if we have a property manager listening that's not a member of an art firm. So, I mean, our, our, our listener base is investors, but also small property managers trying to listen to, you know, what they can take away from this with an actual action step to move their business forward. So how does, what does that look like going from a non-NARPM operator to a NARPM operator? What, what, do, what are you seeing in a benefit of something like that? Because I know we've gone through it. Didi, there was a time, I'm sure, before you were a member of NARPM too. So yeah, I, I mean, speaking for, for me personally, it was a decade of managing the old-fashioned way and then finding NARPM and just, what is this, you know, and, and just being intrigued and pouring into it. And that's how I ended up in the Atlanta chapter by, by design of seeking out. It's like, okay, who's a member learning more about their firms and this is where I want to be because I want to grow up and be just like them when mm. I become experienced. So even after a decade of experience, but the, the reality of it is, is, is just, you know, understanding how you can better run your company, make it more profitable, give better service, uh, speaking of generalities, but that's, that's the reality of it. It's, mm. You know, our, our profitability from the time when we were managing and learning from our own headaches, it, it's a completely different company than where we were, you know, those 10 years ago. Yeah. And now operating as an ARPM operator for, for the last 10 years. So it's it's definitely changed us all the way through to our DNA. And uh, as I said earlier, I mean, my, my thrill is taking a new uh, operator or somebody's been in the business for a while and just opening their eyes to, you know, the professionalism that's out there. And it's really, I, I think the housing crisis of 07, 08 really changed the industry because it poured mm-hmm. tremendous amount of money into our industry, in the SFR space. And that, you know, a lot of the systems and services we all take for granted today are, are a product of that. They developed out of that, that financial, you know, it's kind of follow the money. The guys with the money came over here and then all these, like to Didi's point, all these companies started spinning up with these new ideas and uh yeah it's i mean just think about the change of where we are today versus where where you were when you started in regard to what was available to you i mean ours was server-based software that was really designed for multifamily, and we had you know kind of adopted it and created all these workarounds so we could run it for single family and it was painful and i mean you know we're doing owner draws this, this week and it's like Owner draws back then was a staff of about four people all day for the complete day. It was just the most stressful day every month. And, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that I wasn't here then. What about you? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, very similar to what you said. I joined NARPM in 2011, 2012. And I was operating, I've operated my business for two years before that. And I actually found NARPM through Bob Locke, who is a member of uh, the Atlanta chapter. And he was teaching a series of property management, like one-on-one class. And at the end, he talked about NARPM. Just from his class alone, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing so many things wrong. <laughs> like, please don't arrest me. I hope they don't, want, you know, I hope the real estate commission doesn't come audit me because I'm going out of business. <laughs> and so I, I joined NARPM right away. And that was my my initial reason for joining NARPM. And then I went to my first NARPM conference. I think it was um, DC. Uh, Crystal City, right? Crystal, Yeah, Crystal yeah. City. 
And um, it was, you know, just meeting everybody and, and hearing so much information about the business. And, you know, I fell in love with the people, right? And, um, and like you said, Brian, being a part of NARPM has allowed me to stay on the forefront of the industry because information gets shared so quickly. Like you almost, you know, if you're a vendor and you are providing a service to property managers or rental properties, all you have to do is get someone in NARPM to believe in, in your product or your service and then let us do the rest of the marketing because that's literally what we do. Yeah, is that's like the testimony. You know, I mean, it's just like we've been on this episode. Yeah. We've mentioned a couple of vendors that we've, every, you know, we we're both do. using. So like, well, but they, they, they all become shorthand to us because we all know what they are. Cause somebody, somebody, what blows my mind is like, if we just talk about second nature back when they were filter easy. So imagine the first person that was like, guys, y'all got to hear about this, this <laughs> filter company. And then like what that went from to like now, when yeah. like if you're not using second nature, what are you doing? Right. Like, how do you operate? When you go to a, when you go to a conference, whenever we do have in person conferences again, when you go to a conference, you know we may have sixty plus vendors, you know, booked and and displayed. But the first thing everybody does is look through the vendors, see if there's anybody new. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, you yep. want to learn about that next new thing, and yep. uh, and that happens, and then it, it's just you know once everybody starts using you, just the uh, member testimonials, and it's. I always told Jonathan before he went to his first event, I'm like, it's like a family reunion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a level of, of friendships you develop. And it's not, you know, no one's standoffish. Everybody openly shares and comes up with good ideas and best practices. Well, think about how close of friends we are with like someone like Tim Wallace yeah. or Blaze or just any of these people that were like, well, they're vendors that we've yeah. met at a thing. But then we sit down and we, we hang out with them for hot hot chicken wings we, we we kill ourselves with hot chicken and we you know hang out for a weekend that's what, or hang out for a whole week and that's what yeah. we're doing and we're getting together and we're we we, we all become friends yeah. and then it's then it's well which one of my friends can solve this issue now mm-hmm. we're back at home which one of my friends can do something that fixes this current issue that we've just run run into oh well i know somebody that does something and we talked about it when we were drinking some beers. Remember, what was that mm-hmm. thing? And then it just becomes, a, oh, my gosh, why aren't we doing this already? Yeah. And then they just kind of fall in and it just moves on. And it's yeah. so NARPM to me, when, when Brian was telling me about NARPM, when I first started, I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm a member of NAR. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's the same thing. He's like, you've mm-hmm. lost your mind. It's nothing even close. Not Come, even go to close. this conference. Yeah. And it's, it's such a change from any other organization I've ever been a part of getting into it just lets you I mean it's everything that y'all said it's where am I already messing up okay let me fix that let me ask someone that already has done that how to fix that because there's already someone that's done whatever you've done they've figured out a new way into it like when we want to talk about something that yeah we're not we're not doing we're not doing Airbnb yet we would like to but like, if we really want to start, oh, I am. That, I can. Oh, I can definitely give look you at that. some. Well, I look can at definitely that. give exactly you some uh, experiences on that. Well, well that's that's, that's exactly my point. If yeah. we want to find out how to do it, we can ask you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, we we understand it's not much of a uh, a twist because it's like Robert called me and it's like, hey, I, w- I want to come over and look at your guys' corporate housing operation. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Well, you know, we were Airbnb before Airbnb was Airbnb. You really were. Yeah. 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 But, but just understanding that, yeah, just flexing with the time and, and just, you know, the convenience factor is certainly everything. But it's, 
I used, have, mm-hmm. I used to have a, a document on my door a long time ago that said bang head here. I um, have I have that same thing on mine. Yeah. So stress, I, I don't stress I don't have reliever. Any, yeah. I don't have it now, but I was like, that's I that's what I used it. to that's what I used to feel like without NARPM. And then once NARPM happened, I gotta learn from other people's headaches and not my own. So that's Absolutely. that's the best way to describe it. It's like you know, you don't want to do this because this is this is what's going to occur. And the thing that I do sometimes, sometimes we're leading edge, so to speak. We'll try something and step out there if we really buy into it, much like what we did with Rhino. Mm-hmm. But then there are other things that I want to kind of see how they play out with other operators that I know and let them kind of do all the field testing or beta testing and uh, and give me that honest feedback before I make a decision to make that financial commitment or, or staff commitment. Because um, one thing I don't want to do as leader of a company is just throw a bunch of bad ideas at my staff and waste mm-hmm. their time. And, you know, the buy-in gets diluted and, and certainly nobody uh, wants wants to follow the bad stuff. But it's it's really trying to balance that, find your, what what's your next thing that's going to raise you up a notch. Well, even if it's not even, mm-hmm. even if it's not watching someone be that beta test and see if it fails, but there's also just like a time of we couldn't add another but we, we couldn't, you know, start a whole new policy that we roll out. We, we don't have the space right now. We don't have the time to roll out something new right now. So we can talk to other people that are seeing the same new products that are rolling out. And it's not that we are afraid of it, but it's even just, well, tell us about that when we have time to implement something like that. So like Pinata, we were talking about Pinata. Yeah. We can, I would love to do that. That sounds mm-hmm. great. We just implemented them. How, how great are they? So you, now we know who to follow up with. And yeah. That's exactly it's super it. easy. Super easy to so, run I mean, out. Yeah. I, yeah, that's. I mean, I figured it would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and so, can you explain pinata for the listeners that weren't on the PMX conference call? Yeah, it's just a it's, it's an incentive based uh, program for our tenants. So it's mm-hmm. literally a free benefit, right? For mm-hmm. those of us that are building resident benefit packages, it's something that you can add in there um, to boost your your package value, but. For every uh, rent paid on time, they get points with Pinata, and in turn, Pinata like once they accumulate a certain number of points, Pinata sends them gift cards to restaurants, discounts for shopping, like you know across all major like shopping uh, Amazon and everywhere. So they it's super easy to to roll out. It's free for property managers mm-hmm. to get on board. And I think they're about to roll out additional benefits for residents as well. And in addition to like discounts and gift cards. So yeah, I mean, why not? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's back yeah. to that same stickiness factor. Mm-hmm. Rent our property and guess what? You're going to get treats along the way. Yeah. So where did, where did you hear about Pinata? Was it the same place? At that the, the PM, okay. PM exchange conference. Okay. Yep. So that's, so it, it is, that has not been that long ago for listeners that, literally aren't in our current timeline where we're sitting here talking but but the reality is the pmx uh the pm pm exchange conference was uh how long ago uh, was that in july i think it was actually august? the big the big event was in august okay yes. august so that was just a few months ago like i'm sorry march lasted forever yeah, and then the rest yeah. of <laughs> march <laughs> march was the 10 time, years yeah. asking me about the time that it's been since we did a thing is it's a black hole in my brain. I have no idea. Yeah, it, it really is. Same here. <laughs> but so that hasn't been that long ago and you've already got it implemented. That's yeah. You know, that's really quick. And it, it's somebody that doesn't know how long it takes to roll systems into a yeah. company. If you're an investor and you don't quite get that, that's 
fast. That mm -hmm. is very fast. Yeah. The yeah, ease that's... of implementation is huge when I'm considering a new service or program and how much of a difference is it going to make to the bottom line, you know? Right. So Pinata is, it's, it's uh, very easy to implement. They provide you the, the language you can use to send out to your tenants to mm -hmm. explain what it is. And that's it, you know? So you, you do every month, you send them your rent roll so that they can give those points to those tenants. That's so really the tenant, it. Tenant just have to set up their individualized account and then they get mm -hmm. the points rewarded. Oh, yep. Nice. I think they get rewards immediately when they sign up. That's that's pretty. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to check into that one. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, we've just got so much. I, we've got one. About it. What? Well, we've got a website redevelopment. Uh, no, don't talk to me about that. that. PMW, that's painful. Uh, I love PMW, <laughs> but it requires way too much of our time to to do. But we're we're actually we're really excited about the project because we're taking that next step of gearing it toward our investor clients versus just renters and accidental landlords. And that piece, and then we have a big AI piece that's really laboursome as well. Uh, but that impacts your leasing, your maintenance, your, mm -hmm. your Are you talking about chat box? No, chat we're, we're actually using different. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's who we use too. Yeah. 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 But they do have a chat bot. So my yeah. my chat bot Where's on my website is my, my one of my labs. So okay. <laughs> so you can put your boxer to work. So that's you, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love so, that. But I like I like Trent's thing. Trent's deal is uh I think Kayla's dog. They have business cards. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> for the dog. <laughs> I've, I actually, I think I have official greeter or something. Like I that. love it. Yeah, that's that pretty good. Awesome. What's fun is you can ask Chesney on our website what his favorite treats are. He'll answer you. It's pretty that's pretty fun. I'm not so going to tell you what cool. the answer is. Yeah, you have to go to our but website. You, yeah, you now. can build it. We tried to build it. We we've just got it rolled out in Birmingham right now, but it'll go uh, uh, platform wide. But it's uh, you know, and that that capability is pretty cool because it can it can. Actually, dispatch your work orders, go in your software system, create the work orders for you. And it's all AI technology. So it truly is, you know, 24 7 coverage. Yeah. But you still back it up with your emergency coverage, but it's, it kind of covers everything in between or I whatever degree that. you want it. Yeah. So it's it's very reasonable. Well, that, that's, that's my of, next, that's my next implementation. So I'll be coming to you guys to, all right, to yeah. get let some us, tips. Yeah. Let's work out the pain points with yeah. it. It's well, just a lot of a lot of volume of, of stuff that you have to do yeah, on the front end just to get mm -hmm. it up. But this is the exact point that I'm talking about with using a NARPM operator. If if you're not using a NARPM operator, just that level of technology piece that that we can work out kinks for, for with each other and help each other, you know, implement that sort of thing so that we understand what it looks like, give each other just that extra step up, helping each other up that ladder and, and that, that level of professionalism to be able to implement all these things. It, it takes some experts. It takes more than just me, Jonathan Cook. I couldn't do all this myself. I have to have a Brian which has to have, you know, it's, it's just, a DD. you have to have a DD, you have to have a Trent Ratlett, you have to have a Gilstrap, you've got to have, have all these minds yeah. working together to, to bring a part, like to bring everybody on board. Like I've tried this, this didn't work, but I tried this and it was great. And so yeah. it lets us have that level of professionalism that I don't like to throw anybody under the bus, but non-NARPA members just don't have access don't, to they it. They don't have the support that we do. And that was the next thing I was going to mention for benefits of NARPA is there are so many mastermind groups 
got that got formed within NARPM. And I think now more so than ever with conferences all being virtual and a lot of conferences canceled, we still need that support from each other. Mm-hmm. So as a matter, matter of fact, a small group of us got together in Nashville. Too bad you were in yellow. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you couldn't join us. <laughs> but we invited Brian. Uh, but a, a very good small group of us got together in Nashville. We got to have a little fun, relax, and then we shared ideas with each other. And, you know, it was like a mini conference. And I got so much out of it. I wrote pages and pages of notes, like just as much as I would have written from a a conference itself. Mm, Something like that is just so valuable to me. And I I would have never met these amazing people without NARPM. You know, the the non-NARPM operators, what I find is is breaking through that shell because everybody's kind of like, you know, safeguarding their information. Yeah, It's like they feel like they've got something proprietary that nobody else knows in property management. So, but it's not a dig. It's just really until you're exposed to it, you don't know what you're missing. I mean, that's, that's the point. A great example of that was recently working with our shared client who had found an opportunity. And so he put me in touch with the current operator of some multifamilies. It was uh, two multifamilies. And, and I was trying to get some data to work up some, uh, you know, correct numbers, get, you know, piece together, see where we can fill in some gaps, see where we can really streamline what's going on there to make it the most, you know, efficient working multifamily unit that it could be. And so I'm talking with the other operator and I'm like, okay, so what I'll need is uh, just to look at them. I'm going to need that rent roll. I'm going to need a maintenance history work order, maintenance work order history kind of thing. So I need to be able to look through all this where I can build um, like an expected future uh, performance report so that I can kind of sit there and nitpick and go, well, this was an issue here. We can handle this. You know, we can plan for the future. And he was like, well, I mean, it, it all, they, they just write a check. I'm like, okay, so like, where do you track it? He's like, I mean, we, we track it. We track it. It's in our, it's in our bank account where we track it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, so how do you know who pays what? And he's like, well, we, we write it down. We, we know, we know which ones are late. Oh, you're oh, talking man. way old school. And that's and, like, that's well, like decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, what about work orders? You go, oh, we just rehabbed the whole thing like two or three years ago. Yeah, you know how, oh, how quickly a tenant will mess something up? Wow. So I, I was like, just get me, look, okay, I get it. Like you're not on some systems. That's fine. Just get me the, the, the information that you can, everything that you can think of, just get it to me. I'm at least expecting an email with some information. He took pictures, he wrote. He wrote something down on a napkin. He wrote it down on a napkin. <laughs> That's not a joke. Took a picture of the real. And yeah, sent wrote it, it on a napkin, took a picture, and sent us the picture of it. Sent me the picture. <laughs> so. I'm surprised he didn't print out that picture, scan it into a PDF, and he, then send it to me. I don't think he's that sophisticated. <laughs> so I, I, I think, I think we can probably make that. Probably improve that. We can probably improve those policies, is my thought on it. But I mean, they're. I realized when I was talking to him, because clearly he's talked to some other people that, that were property managers and have operated for years, according to mm-hmm. him. And and the level of knowledge that is there and it being like that proprietary knowledge of like, he didn't want to give me, he didn't want to tell me which tenants have been paying or so I, I can't, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Why? It's not about whether you look bad or not. It's yeah, just the information. It's, it's just the information that we need to make. You're asking us to purchase this mm-hmm. these properties. We need to know how they're performing. 
Mm-hmm. You got to give me something here because we can't just buy the idea of maybe some tenants. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it's just, a, it's a different mentality entirely. Yeah. And they apparently operate with like hundreds of units, according to that guy. Oh, yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. I, I can remember uh, Ralph and I actually went down to the coast. It's been quite close to 10 years ago. We were looking at a, a small community. We were thinking about HOA management. We were thinking about blending our corporate housing with long-term rentals. They were all like 96 townhomes. And uh, so we went and we looked at some of the big boy rentals, you know, Gulf Shores, and yeah. Panama City. And uh, it's funny, It's we got into the area where these were and it was like, oh yeah, there's this other company over here. He manages probably a thousand properties. And, and we're talking to, talking to the guy and he goes, I don't, I don't have anybody sign a management agreement. It's all just gentleman's agreement. Just wow. I'm like, you manage a thousand properties. It's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. So we see what time it is. It's I that do. time. You're unfortunately. Right. We'd love to talk golden to nuggets. you all day long. We didn't do any golden nuggets other than NARPM. We did plenty of golden nuggets. We didn't. We, we, we didn't announce a note. The whole page and a half of. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to replay our episodes for you. You said you wanted to have a golden nugget in every episode. I know. That's the last two episodes. He's brought that up. So. Implement. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm controlling, uh, Brian. That's, that's my job. All right. So, so my, my golden nugget, honestly, my, my golden nugget from this episode is just, honestly, our friendship with Didi, uh, other operators, not just in, in Atlanta, but across the country, and, and that our fellow NARPM operators that are pouring back into each other because trying to, to make a go at this alone during COVID with all the moratoriums on eviction, all the restrictions we're all facing. And, you know, I started off the first time saying I felt like I was a property management operator with one arm tied behind my back when they started pulling some things back. We couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And then all of a sudden it's like the last analogy I gave one of our clients is like, yeah, it's like we have both hands tied behind our back right now because we've got the CDC coming at us and we've got HUD coming at us and, you know, all this other stuff going on. So, but if, if you're doing it individually, just know that there are a lot of professionals out there that uh, that do it well. We pour back into each other just to raise the the industry as a whole and standards, and uh, and we learn from one another. I think that's my my biggest nugget. But I'm also going to say that's my takeaway. That's, that's your what, takeaway. That's as well. my takeaway. As well, well, I mean, typically, I mean that that's I want to separate my final thoughts from my golden nuggets, but but that's. We talked way more about NARPM than we did anything else because of how much of a difference it makes. If you're an investor, here's your gold nugget. Take this away, put it in your pocket, and, and use it. If you are purchasing properties in a state that you're not in and you want a property manager, go to NARPM's website and find a NARPM operator. Period. There's your gold nugget. And Take it's, it. Run it's, away with it. It's less about the organization as it is more about the membership. Yeah. I think NARPM is its membership. Absolutely. And, and quality people that are, that are members of the organization. Yeah. That's also my takeaway. Use NARPM operators, wherever, wherever you're at, use them. Didi, what are your final thoughts for today? And and also Didi, uh, before you do wrap up, uh, just anybody that's interested in in getting a hold of you, uh, that might be interested in investing in the Atlanta market or already has properties in Atlanta that you might be interested in managing, make sure you give them a, a way to reach you. Absolutely. Um, I love the conversation we had about how to make your, uh, you know, business, your properties, uh, improve the stickiness, right? Mm -hmm. I love that terminology. 
so I think that the next uh, thing that property managers should focus on for the future is how do you make your properties more uh, sticky to tenants and keep those tenants in the properties um, for the benefit of your investors, your owners, and, and yourself? So <clears throat> I, I think that if we uh, as an industry put made that more of a focus, we would uh, bring up the standards of the industry even more so because we don't want to you know, be seen as the, the industry that just collects rent and, you know, we're mean people, like we're not. So we want to improve service to our tenants, our residents, because at the end, that's going to help out our clients and ourselves. So I love that conversation. And I do appreciate you guys for having me on this. It's always so good to talk to you, Brian and Jonathan, um, consider you guys you know, great friends and thanks to NARPM. Um, I am going to follow up with you after this podcast because I heard, you know, some of the implementations that you guys yeah. are doing. I know that you've already implement, implemented. I um, love to pick your brain on that. That's what NARPM sure. is all about. Um, but to reach me, our website is skylinepropertiesga.com. Email is info at skylinepropertiesga.com. And um, would love to, to hear from anyone interested in NARPM or rental properties in Atlanta. We're here to help you. Yeah. And we, we refer business back and forth. I mean, we've we referenced uh, client in common and, and that happens more often than not. Those are the best referrals when you have another NARPM operator that uh, is managing at a, a high level and they want to make sure they've got a warm, good baton handoff of their client to somebody who's going to take care of them. So we appreciate you and appreciate the time you spent with us today. And, and as always, if you want to reach Jonathan and I with a question, it's uh, podcast at ahiproperties.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's podcast at ahiproperties.com. And uh, until next time, keep buying, keep learning. Keep, keep learning. learning. We'll see you Thank next you. time. Everyone. Thank you. We're excited to tell you about our new partnership with Rhino. Rhino can replace security deposit requirements with an affordable insurance policy that the tenant pays instead of having to pay more money up front. The service is very straightforward and it was super quick to implement. We know that this is a no-brainer. If you're looking to increase your occupancy rate and increase your NOI by reducing your days on market, head to sayrhino.com today and check them out. The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.